Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Frontier Talk where we explore the intersection of identity, people and technology. This platform in a sense was built to appreciate creatives of all kinds and and 6 episodes later it is fulfilling to see this appreciation of creativity germinate so wonderfully across the entire spectrum. My guest on the pod today has spent two decades researching and designing solutions for the internet of things until he suddenly came across magic internet money or bitcoin as you call it today his fascination with blockchain and distributed ledgers led him to build and develop decentralized initiatives across telecommunications and smart cities here to share his take on the increasingly important role of decentralized identity in telco dr michele nati the head of telco and infrastructure development at iota foundation michele i'm thrilled to have you on the pod today Hey, thank you Raj, thank you everybody, thank you the Frontier Talk podcast to having me. I'm very pleased to be here and uh, yeah, talk to you in this afternoon uh, from my house in London. Thank you. Likewise, likewise Michele, it's 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 an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Um could you start off by telling us a bit about the IOTA Foundation? Um what is IOTA and what kind of stuff do you work on? as the head of telco and infrastructure development yeah no thank you uh you actually said it right so <laughs> i started my journey in the in the technology domain yeah almost uh two decades ago yeah as a student phd student i spent quite some time in academia uh researching internet of things and uh focusing as well on trust and how people okay. uh, manage uh their data and i end up uh, just 3 years ago working for the Yota Foundation. Now Yota Foundation it's a not-for-profit organization which is uh, focused on developing decentralized and distributed ledger technologies which are let's say the sister <laughs> the bigger sister uh, of uh, blockchain and bitcoin and ethereum uh, with the same properties but definitely uh, many more uh, benefits that we have seen from the from this initial uh, uptake of uh, distributed technologies uh, the foundation works and operate uh, across the world uh, it's headquartered in uh, in germany although we are a decentralized organization and we have a lot of people working uh, remotely uh, all of us work remotely almost everywhere in the in the world uh, we have 25 nation probably more covered with our uh, employee so we are quite far uh, distributed as a technology and as a uh, as a company uh, our main objective is to bring the distributed ledger technology that we build to market uh, to adoption in the industry and trying to solve a real world problem real world problem that cover three domains mainly uh, supply chain and global trade uh, automotive and the the telecommunication industry the the telco sector where i am in charge of so basically we try to see in my domain the domain i work for what kind of uh, problems uh, the telecommunication industry has the traditional telecommunication industry that one that deal with the uh, uh, voice call and data uh, platform for for their customer uh, can be solved with internet uh, sorry with the the combination yes of internet of things and iota iota ledger and distributed ledger uh, as well as a uh, use of uh, the technology and the telco to create a new infrastructure for new connected domains so communication and connectivity is at the backbone of 
every new uh, smart domain. It can be a smart manufacturing, can be a smart cities, and the telecommunication operator have to provide an infrastructure which is reliable and uh, uh, trusted. All of this can create opportunity for distributed ledger technologies to play a role. And this is what I'm exploring. I'm trying to understand needs. I'm trying to leverage and build partnership, collaboration, and create projects that prove the value of the technology that we offer, distributed ledger technology in this specific domain. That's awesome. Sounds really exciting. Uh, we hope to, to explore as many domains as we can uh, of Telco moving forward on this podcast. Um, so speaking about telecommunications, how would you describe the status quo of the telco industry since the invention of the telephone about a century ago? You know, I'm curious about the possibilities that you mentioned that are out there for telco providers beyond communication services. Could you perhaps uh, highlight some of these for us? Yeah, absolutely. Like like I mentioned before, uh, the telecommunication industry is quite a big ecosystem that is evolving and now as well with the uh, evolution of services that most of them reside in the cloud is becoming more and more complex, as well as the more uh, need for connectivity that comes from uh, IoT device, our wearable device, no, mobile phone, first, uh, first of all. So the telecommunication industry is trying to, to reinvent themselves, to find a new space, moving from what was until now in the past, what was the, uh, the infrastructure itself. So we have communication service provider, those that build and provide the infrastructure. Now we start to see a lot of different services, a lot of different opportunity to be uh, explored, to be provide, provided. So we have also the advent of 5G. So 5G creates now much more uh, virtualization, possibility to create ad hoc configuration of this infrastructure, ad hoc configuration of architecture for delivering new service. And telecommunication industry need to uh, stay <laughs> up front of this innovation, need to evolve what is their static uh, infrastructure, what was their initial infrastructure that provide the traditional voice service and then data to provide mm -hmm. much more, let's say, uh, flexible infrastructure for deploying, in this case, like I said, uh, smart connected domains. So if you think about smart cities, if you think about smart energies, all of these require connectivities, require device, sensor, IoT device that uh, connect uh, and share data with the cloud and then eventually trigger some action, some feedback loop. So uh, all of this goes across domain, goes across sector, goes across uh, one telco operator to another telco operator. So we can't imagine that all IoT devices in a smart cities can connect to one network or another. So at the, at the intersection of this, there is the infrastructure management, there is the Mm -hmm. uh, need of trusting the exchange of information between different infrastructure to trust the provisioning of service that uh, interconnect to different infrastructure and uh, to generate this uh, this value that uh, the infrastructure as a whole from different providers can generate. So uh, with the telecommunication industry, we explore many domains that talk about uh, connected smart cities, uh, smart health. Uh, we are thinking of uh, working in some project where you can imagine that uh, a doctor sitting in his room can perform an operation uh, in a, in a uh, uh, let's say, in a theater, operation theater, uh, somewhere else on the other side of the world. And he has to control mm -hmm. some robot, have to control some machine. All of this goes into communication that uh, starts from where the doctor is, <laughs> Uh, uh, 
goes around the world from different network mm-hmm. to another, and there is the need to provide the service that is expected uh, to perform this operation in all safety without any risk for the patient. So all of these require establishment of agreement that need to be monitored, need to be uh, uh, guaranteed and need to be audited. So this is where, for instance, uh, distributed ledger can provide a platform where trusted information, immutable information can be stored and can help this industry to progress and create and collaborate together. So these are just a few examples of how uh, telecommunication providers now are expanding their uh, horizon of service that they can provide and they have to find a platform to work together and collaborate together in a trusted way. Brilliant. I mean, it sounds like a future that I'd like to be a part of. Um, And, um, you know, speaking about infrastructure development, you know, this symbiosis of the Internet with the physical economy uh, seems to be have having a quite quite the knock on effect on every sector imaginable here on this podcast, for instance, we've you know, we've covered the automotive industry, the pharma industry and now telecommunications, you know, no area of the global economy can, in a sense, avoid a strategic realignment of, of some magnitude. Um, so my question to you is, what are some of the threats that are uniquely vulnerable to telco providers? And how serious is the risk of them actually becoming obsolete? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's absolutely, yeah, uh, part of what I, I mentioned before. So, so far, telecommunication operator mainly focus on uh, uh, building the infrastructure. And then on top of that, you have who help them, who provide service to manage this infrastructure, which are the uh, OSS, operation, uh, operation support system uh, provider. Mm-hmm. And then you have who provide the business functionality, the BSS, uh, the business support uh, services. Uh, and those again help with the billing, with the charging of customer and so on and so forth. So, so far, uh, telecommunication operator have been basically building the infrastructure, maintaining the infrastructure, but then leveraging somebody else's service to monetize and, and exploit this infrastructure. And now there is one of the threats that is coming, is coming mainly from uh, the cloud industry because having everything in the cloud, having all the function uh, in the cloud uh, makes, uh, makes, makes life uh, much easier. So, and there is a uh, risk exactly for telecommunication operator to become obsolete. So to have mm-hmm. basically their infrastructure offer to cloud providers can monetize this infrastructure by combining service, providing service orchestration all in one point. So they start to, to rent infrastructure, cloud provider and develop service. So what do they need to do? The cloud uh, telecommunication industry now it's at the, at the verge <laughs> of changing and try to become service provider themselves. Try to either okay. work as a as an integrator of new service, of developer of new service, or try to collaborate with other partners. So, and one thing that we are doing is actually we're exploring this model of new collaboration uh, in the TM Forum. So, IOT is part of the TM Forum Alliance. So, it's, it's okay. an alliance of uh, over uh, 8,000 uh, members in the telecommunication industry of different level, and we work with the uh, telecommunication operators. So we work in what is called innovation activities, what is called catalyst, the Forum catalyst. And there mm-hmm. we have a telecommunication operator, the like of Orange team, we are working at the moment, Telecom Italia Mobile. So they are so-called the champion of new challenge. They, and they explore, okay. by setting this challenge, they explore working with technology provider like IOTA, how they can jointly solve the challenge, what kind of benefit they can bring to the industry and also 
what kind of resource, what kind of model of working they need to reinvent in their domain in order to be the new provider of this new service that can uh, help them to fight against uh, other trying to take their place in the service provisioning. Right. And and with all the complexities of the telecom industry, um, it's easy to forget that without customers, you have nothing in a sense. So how can telcos, in a sense, retain and emphasize focus on the customer journey above all else? Yeah, uh, yeah you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, so far, the telecommunication industry, I would say, uh, and the telecommunication operator had, had yes, real, uh, a, a role uh, that actually was predominant because they were managing uh, infrastructure. Uh, mm-hmm. They were uh, collecting data <laughs> uh, from their customer. If you think about CRT, uh, call uh, records and things like this, and that customer itself. So yes, uh, but again, like we said, uh, the voice and internet service might be not enough anymore. Uh, might be not, uh, for instance, uh, let's say, uh, not only focus on, on people. Now you have to focus on device, connectivity of device, connectivity of medical device, uh, create new services. So we, we, we see uh, different uh, industry and different domain focusing also on the IoT, uh, sorry, different provider focusing on, on the IoT side now. So Vodafone, mm-hmm. for instance, is focusing a lot uh, on IoT, on providing connectivity of, of things in IoT. But there is one thing as well that makes the uh, telecommunication industry in a good position to innovate is the element of uh, identity and decentralized identity. Uh, Mm -hmm. They could embrace this. Hopefully they will embrace this. We are working on that, but they are the custodian of many uh, customer information about identity. So when you go and you have to buy uh, your, your SIM, you want to connect your phone, you go through a process which is called KYC, know your customer. And telecommunication operators are the only few, together with banks probably, that they mm-hmm. are able to uh, know exactly that who claim to be is actually who is, who is this person. So when you, you right. have to buy your phone, you have to buy your SIM, there is a thorough process that establishes this uh, strong link between you and your device. And this is mm-hmm. something that can help them to innovate, uh, retain customer by providing services that are tailored to the person that are personalized services. This is a very uh, crucial element to create innovation. So ability of knowing a customer and providing service that uh, resolve around the customer, the customer habits, it's something that uh, is a very important element, even more important than uh, than the service, the geolocalization service that Facebook can provide because the identity link between you and your device itself is much more strong than uh, your prof- Facebook profile and something that uh, yeah, uh, an AI algorithm can infer about uh, your behavior from, uh, from a profile that is not verified. Right. Um, that serves as the perfect segue to my next question. You know, this intersection of, of telco and identity is an interesting one. Why? Because it is something that has not been explored to date. You know, most people often associate telco with communication uh, you know, why, why the phone, so to say, and the identity element more or less gets lost in the process. So, so my question to you is why is decentralized identity important to the telco industry? Yeah. Yeah. It's very important. Uh, and like I said before, uh, it can be, uh, the way the telco industry, uh, it's innovating and providing the, 
the gateway for, for many other services that people can benefit. Uh, but this identity, the link that established a telco operator uh, between me and my device uh, need to go outside uh, of the, <laughs> the telco domain. So uh, this identity mm-hmm. can be uh, held inside the, 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 the specific operator database. So it need to become uh, a new form of identity, it need to become a decentralized identity. The entry point, of course, is the operator that assess my identity, my, my real identity, and can link and can state this. But this information needs to be now given back to the to the to the user of the device, to the phone, uh, to the user of the phone, for instance, in this case, as a credential, as something that the telco operator signed for the all world of service that exists, it can be uh, it can be uh, used as a passcode for going and, and, and leverage different services. So, what telco operator have the opportunity to become? They have, uh, they have the opportunity to become identity provider in a decentralized identity world, credential provider that states different attributes about me in the decentralized identity world. But let this identity to go out of their system and to be used to connect to different other system, all with the trust that is initially established by the trust that the verification process that telco operator do on their customer uh, brings. So telco operator becomes this, they need to see a new business model, of course, we are, we are exploring that, we are exploring the way on which this can be monetized, in which way mm-hmm. this effort initially done to establish the link between the customer and their identity, and now exposing this to the world and giving actually control to the customer in a decentralized way to be used outside of the telco domain, for instance, to, I don't know, uh, log in <laughs> uh, into uh, your smart home product or things like this. Uh, mm-hmm. So how we can now send back some of that little value now that the telco industry is sharing out of there for they have done for uh, creating this decentralized uh, identity or credential. So all of this is part of an exploration, is part of understanding what are the new business models for decentralized identity that will incentivize telco operator to expand and uh, let this knowledge about customer to go out. Of course, always in a privacy preserving way, in a GDPR compliant way, that's other mm-hmm. element that we will discuss. But the main element is to understand the real business model behind that. So the real business model of telco operator being now with their knowledge identity provider, or let's say credential provider in a decentralized identity world. Mm-hmm. Right. Just in case our audience doesn't get uh, lost in the process, could you perhaps define decentralized identity for us? And how is it different from from identity as we know it today uh, yes. beyond the centralization element? Yeah. The centralized identity very much uh, is a concept uh, linked to uh, distributed ledger technologies with the mm-hmm. uh, advent of uh, distributed ledger, digital ledgers out there recently called in the European context. Uh, there is the possibility to create immutable uh, information. Uh, and this information right. now in the context of decentralized identity, uh, this immutable information, it's uh, an identity, it's an ID, let's say that identify a person or another. So everybody now can claim uh, its own identifier. So this is called self-sovereign okay. identity. So everybody mm-hmm. can establish his identifier, a sequence of, let's say numbers and uh, uh, letters, which is unique by writing this into a ledger. So into when it's into a ledger, it's immutable, it's there. And if there is a, a copy, uh, it won't be possible. So it will be spotted. So uh, you become the owner of your 
unique identity, digital identity. So mm -hmm. usually this digital identity is controlled by uh, a public and private key. So usually there is a random public key that is this, this identifier, and there is a public, a private key that is held by the uh, by the owner of this identity. So now with this information, what's happened is that everybody has an identity, has an identifier that is unique and it's self-sovereign. I control this identifier. I don't need to ask somebody else to create this identifier for me. So when now with this identifier, what I can do, I can start to collect what are called verifiable credentials, what are called statement attributes of my identity. So for instance, my license now become a verifiable credential. So and how this mm -hmm. become a verifiable credential? It becomes a verifiable credential because the uh, registry of diving license, license uh, authority has an identity itself. And that's an identity that is verified. And what they do, they sign a certificate which uh, is signed with their identity. Signature process required to use private key to sign any digital certificate and will contain uh, the information about my identifier and will be given mm -hmm. to me, will be stored in my device. So as a digital certificate. Now, when I go and want to present this uh, identity to, uh, let's say anybody that have to verify my identity or if I have a, a driving license, for instance, uh, an officer that stopped me in the street, I present this digital credential, which is signed. And what they do, well, they basically uh, read that this digital credential contain my identifier uh, this uh, random number that I claim uh, it's it's owned by me, and they will just uh, have to verify that the signature comes from a trusted uh, trusted source. And what they will do, they will go and try to verify the signature again using the ledger, checking who is the identity is the driving license office behind the signature, and they will verify that, and they will trust me. So what this does, this remove the need <laughs> for intermediary. So this remove the need for. Uh, presenting the driving license in a paper form, for instance, and the officer mm -hmm. to have to <laughs> go and check with the office that uh, first of all, that the driving license is uh, uh, not fake and then put the driving license uh, somewhere uh, in some system and they go and check and connect to the system. And the problem will happen at the system, my driving license, I'm Italian, need to be checked in England, uh, need to connect then to the system in, in Italy or need to connect to the system in England. So connecting to one source of truth, which is the ledger, makes things much more easier and gives control on the identity itself to the owner of the identity and the credential itself to the owner of the credential, not anymore to a third party to toss this information. So hopefully this right. <laughs> uh, made a bit more clear, but uh, yeah, let's say... Uh Absolutely. That was a very clear, detailed answer. To keep it short, it essentially is is this wallet that you have with your identities, but it's just that you are in full control of your identities and it's nowhere else but in your wallet. So, yep. yeah. It's in, digital, it's, in, it's in digital format and it only requires, let's say, to keep it short, when you present this digital credential, uh, it only requires one interrogation to a platform which is a distributed ledger to know that it's valid or not. It doesn't require Absolutely. too many checks. It doesn't require to talk to many other offices. It's there. You can trust when, when you get this information from the ledger. Brilliant. Thanks for that explanation, Michele. I appreciate it. Um, so so what's, the, what's the business value of decentralized identity in the telco industry? Is it a technology in search for problem to solve or is it the other way around? Is there a killer use case? I would say that the killer use case for me, I believe, will be in 
transferring this identity now uh, that I have and I can create in a centralized way and I can start to link credential that, for instance, uh, telecommunication industry knows about, about me and that me is me that, for instance, I live in a specific address and so on and so forth. Uh, to what uh, to transfer this to the device that I own, so to my IoT device. So now not only mm -hmm. my me <laughs> and my phone will have an identity, but I can create from my phone an identity now that goes to my uh, to my watch, that goes to my uh, other uh, device, wearable device, and so on and so forth. What this means, so for instance, so if you think about this device being medical device now, so mm -hmm. this medical device, if it's uh, used to track my condition uh, or use it even to track that, for instance, I am uh, receiving some specific treatment, some special treatment, and I am entitled for this special treatment. So there is trust in the device. So there is no more risk that this device is hand uh, over to somebody else <laughs> that actually uh, has the right condition. And, and, and somehow I'm creating some kind of uh, Visual looping, which I, I benefit of something that I shouldn't benefit. So, uh, and otherwise, device identity is very weak. So, whenever you mm -hmm. call, you buy a device, uh, a new IoT device or a wearable device, the identity of those devices is very weak. So, it's just uh, an identifier that the uh, manufacturer gives, and there is no way to link to a person to establish this identity to a person. So, by no, having a, an established identity that is already digital and that uh, telecommunication industry can give to me. All this can make much more trusted IoT device. And if you think about now 5G, for instance, and uh, the ability to create a virtual network, uh, all of that is based on uh, uh, slicing. Uh, the concept of slicing is basically using a portion of uh, a 5G infrastructure, which is used to send data, uh, for a specific purpose. And this is allocated. And this has to be allocated to specific device. And having... Mm -hmm trusted device now for which I can establish a trusted identity of who this device belongs to, I can provide much more security on how I allocate these slices. So I don't have the risk anymore to allocate these slices for using the infrastructure to some malicious device, to some device that want mm -hmm. to just use the infrastructure, create some denial of service attack, and somehow create disruption for other services. So in this way, having a trusted IoT device, I can create a strong and secure link between the IoT device, I can start to trust also the device that want to use the infrastructure, in this case, the telecommunication infrastructure. Okay, and speaking about this intersection of, um, yeah, telco infrastructure devices and things in general, um, I'm curious to learn more about the applications of DLT and SSI in the e-commerce space. So, uh, you know, IOTA was recently in the news um, having joined the InsureSec project. So could yeah. you perhaps enlighten the audience uh, about what InsureSec actually is and and what is IOTA's role specifically in this project? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, we move now to one of these horizontal domain where we start from yeah. the from the telco, but we end up to, to something that is more horizontal. And that's, let's say, what I call the infrastructure side, which is not only uh, the telecommunication infrastructure, it's the infrastructure for our life and communication uh, and uh, uh, data sharing as a whole, uh, as part of mm -hmm. my role. So uh, as part of this, we are involved in one of these projects uh, funded by the European Commission is called EnsureSec. And the main ambition of EnsureSec is basically they want to uh, create uh, a more secure, let's say, uh, e-commerce uh, ecosystem where uh, e-commerce is basically me 
buying something uh, online. And uh, basically, uh, there are different approach that uh, the project is taking for, for doing this from uh, monitoring different e-commerce platform and understanding possibility for uh, uh, threat and risk from a cyber physical attack uh, of this critical infrastructure where IOT is also play a role in, in providing the infrastructure for storing this monitoring information in a way that is auditable and contable with the, with the ledger. So what we are actually mm -hmm. exploring, we are exploring exactly the role of the centralized identity in the e-commerce domain. So, uh, and again, what we are doing, we start from all the e-commerce uh, player, which are in this case bank, but again, um, telecommunication industry is the same. So banks uh, and telecommunication industry, telecommunication provider, again, have identity information about customer. And they allow, for instance, customer to create uh, their identity and their credentials. So for instance, think about now a customer that want to uh, purchase something that uh, has an age limit, right? So what will yep. be the, the normal process these days? So the normal process will be that you go to a website and most of the time you have been asked either to confirm that you are above 18 or maybe you are a, register, a registered customer and this uh, this information that you have to provide uh, is basically maybe your credit card and so on and so forth, uh, probably sensitive information and the seller will have to verify this and will bring a cost for them. So right. it will bring also a risk because some of these sellers are small sellers and they have to provide systems that are uh, secure, uh, that can store your information, that can handle information in a privacy compliant way, secure way, and so on and so forth. It's a, it's a big cost, especially for small sellers. So if you think about now with the pandemic and many uh, new sellers, small sellers uh, try to also sell to zero carbon impact uh, being closed, they, they merge. So they cannot support the burden of uh, having this kind of system. So what role can play the centralized identity, banks, and for instance, uh, telecommunication operator. They can help to create this decentralized identity. So they can help store, create, and give to me in my wallet credential that says I am above 18. Uh, mm -hmm. Just for the reason because I have, for instance, a bank account with this bank. So they have to do this work already. They have to collect this information about me already. So they know they have already done this job. Or maybe because when I open my, uh, create my SIM uh, for, my, for my phone contract, they have to verify this information and so on and so forth. Correct. So that's information that exists and there is no reason for which shouldn't be reused. So now when I have to go to the uh, to buy this uh, uh, age-limited uh, item, so I don't need to mm -hmm. give any more information about me that have to be verified and so on and so forth and might be uh, need to be handled uh, in the right way. What I give is just a credential that the bank give to me that states Michele, it's above 18. So and what the, basically like this, this sample before, what the e-commerce the e uh, seller will do, will just verify with one query to the ledger that this credential is uh, valid. And they don't need to do any anything else. They, sometimes they don't even need to know how old I am because there are other technology like Xenology proof that help the verifier to know that I am above 18, but not, uh, 24, I wish I will be, uh, or, or, <laughs> or another age. So all of this create uh, a much easier user experience for customer, a much more uh, easier process to handle this information for e-commerce providers. So what, and, and less risk to be uh, 
the point of attack from hacker and cyber physical threat. So that's one of the things we are exploring in uh, uh, in, in, in InsureSec and the role of identity and the role of this player like bank and telecommunication operator to expose uh, the information that they know for accessing other services. Right. I'm, I'm curious to know as a follow-up, um, you know, what's in it for, for banks or telco providers to act as an identity credential provider in a decentralized manner? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's, 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 that, that's the point to, to clear up and to create the incentive uh like i said before uh the the business model to be uh understood and explored but it's also quite immediate because uh they create this identity and they can at the same time use the ledger and the traceability the ledger and transparency that the ledger uh offer to monitor or to understand every time the credential that they issue to me has been presented and that's been uh, verified. So all of this can, can create a, a flowback of information. And eventually, we can also use a cryptocurrency like uh, IOTA doesn't have any fee uh, for sending back a little value to this uh, provider of identity, this bank. So every time that the credential that a bank has issued to me has been used, the, the value, a little value, a little micropayment can be sent back to the to the bank that is the originator of this. So and there is there is there is value in doing this because like I said before, the e-commerce, the small e-commerce provider now that can verify and be compliant to the law uh, very easily, my age and send and sell uh, selling me what I am actually asking doesn't have any more the cost of collecting information, going, mm -hmm. <laughs> maintaining the information. So there is a saving already for them. So, and this okay. saving uh, can be transferred as a payment, a little micro payment to the identity provider uh, mm -hmm. or credential provider, let's say the bank. And the bank itself has to, uh, afforded a cost at the beginning to, to all this, but that cost is usually a one-off. And now slowly right. it starts to pay back for every time that is used which is much more, okay. let's say, uh, bigger opportunity than using only for the purpose of the bank. So initially, mm -hmm. this information and this cost is sustained by the bank only for giving me a bank account. And this is right. a one-off cost. Yes. This is a one-off cost for one purpose and stays there forever. If now that one-off mm -hmm. cost, you can somehow monetize over time for many other purposes, then there is an incentive as well for... Uh, for exploring this uh, this opportunity, so and this is few of the model that decentralize uh, technology identities together with ledger and cryptocurrency or token. Let's not talk about uh, necessarily currency at our own exchange market, but token mm -hmm. and tokenization of new uh, form of payment and tracing of payment can bring value now to this industry in both ways. Brilliant. Um, and speaking about distributed ledgers, um, you recently carried out a survey amongst uh, e-commerce experts uh, asking about the role of DLT yeah. distributed ledgers in, in this space. Um, could you perhaps shed some light on, on the results of the study? Yeah, uh, it, was, it was true. So what we are doing is seen already by the experts, uh, by the community to, to, to add to add value. But in general, yes, uh, the community also uh, acknowledge and recognize that uh, uh, cryptocurrency and token can be used to pay for uh, for services uh, in a way that also creates some kind of uh, 
first of all, much more agile way to, to pay. So instead of invoicing and paying, you can pay pretty much in real time. When you offer a service and consume the service, pay in real time, you can have some mm -hmm. kind of traceability uh, around payments that can establish also uh, good and bad behavior <laughs> uh, of who actually provides services and, and get paid and pay and who doesn't, who doesn't not do that uh, and can help the, the overall industry. But they also recognize that, for instance, uh, this might face barrier in terms of regulation and especially some of the cryptocurrency they suffer for a, a big fluctuation uh, in the volatility in the in their price so uh, things might be not uh, 100% uh, 100% mature but again there is possibility to innovate possibility to to remove some of the friction that already currently exists uh, the other aspect is about again identity and product identity especially try to uh, identify uh, different goods and avoid counterfeiting, uh, for instance, again, using decentralized identity, this, uh, this is an important aspect. Uh, and we are also exploring, uh, uh, and this was also one of the feedback from the, from, uh, from the community. Uh, we're also exploring the, the use of decentralized identity for uh, tracking uh, delivery of goods, and for instance, tra uh, tracking uh, when, uh, when a good has an identity correct uh, to the right. <laughs> Uh, recipient and correct in terms of time uh, delivery. So this the, the ledger gives uh, much more powerful disability in case of uh, mm -hmm. delivery and not uh, processing time like you are expected. So in case of refund uh, and so on and so forth. So this was very interesting uh, uh, feedback that we receive on where distributed ledger can play a role in the in the commerce domain. Brilliant. Um, so DLT, so DLTs definitely have, uh, yeah, strong applications, particularly yeah. in the supply chain side of things. Um, so there's a lot of talk about NFTs, non-fungible tokens these days. So I have to ask you this question: Is there a role for NFTs in the decentralized e-commerce story? I would say uh, yes. Uh, and somebody also mentioned this. Uh, somebody mentioned this. I think in the ticket industry. Uh, mm -hmm. They say yes in the commerce ticket industry, ticket be can become non-fungible token. Uh, so it's an easier way to distribute tickets for uh, for events and uh, uh, to avoid all the middlemen that are in between this chain and all the fees and the other uh, aspect and the other things. Uh, personally, I think that uh, uh, NFT st stands for non-fungible token. Yeah, man, man, many will know, and creating not that non-fungibility. Uh, it's very difficult, uh, especially when you want to create non-fungibility with respect to, let's say, something that uh, it's physical and transferred to the uh, to the mm -hmm. digital world. So, and uh, in my opinion, I think uh, the non-fungible token uh, uh, and the connection with art, art industry, and uh, selling of art, uh, all this it's very uh, promising, and I think it's a very uh, it's a very interesting uh, market, and interesting domain. Uh, and I think uh, we've seen this already emerging in many different uh, uh, ways, mainly with digital uh, uh, digital art, let's say, uh, that is natively uh, unique and then should be an NFT. I see this also now taking place when we have the right technology to digitize and to establish the link between physical and virtual, also to uh, the real art, to digitize real art and then to make it a non-fungible token. And this makes much easier to exchange, to trade, 
uh, and to yeah to somehow speculate also on, on real art but also create the, uh, remove the problem of uh, storing very uh, expensive piece of art so you can store in your wallet rather than your house so uh, mm -hmm. it's a it's a very prom uh, promising uh, domain for me so though that kind of domain uh with nft so more other domain might be a bit uh yeah uh too stretch but i think uh, yes uh nft and art are, are very are very interesting uh and I, i'm looking forward to, to see more more happening in that domain likewise me too um so we spoke broadly about different uh business applications business models potentially made possible by decentralized identity in e-commerce but the question remains why now huh why now yeah i would say now first of all we have the technologies <laughs> we have okay. these the ledger technologies that uh, of course we had already in the past uh, but some of them were not designed uh, in my opinion mm -hmm. for this uh, not necessarily designed in, in my opinion for this uh, identity we can imagine now that uh, uh, identities uh, People, we are uh, 7 billion now. <laughs> uh, not all, all of us is digital, so probably we'll take, let's say, half of this. Uh, we have IoT devices that were estimation for 20 billion, 30 billion. I don't know how many we have now. So we need technology also that are distributed ledger, blockchain that are also scalable. And uh, uh, we start to see some of them merging now. So one of that, I have to mention, uh, I work for IOTA for a reason because I believe in IOTA, I believe in what IOTA Ledger can offer. And IOTA mm -hmm. Ledger is a ledger that scales and scales, for instance, for this kind of domain, this kind of scenarios, uh, volume of transaction that identity of IoT device requires. And also we need a distributed ledger or blockchain, uh, distributed ledger offer the same immutability properties of a blockchain that also are uh, free to use in a sense that they don't add hidden costs <laughs> like fees to use the infrastructure to create an identity like i said before you can imagine to create identity for a billion of devices if every uh, transaction that create this identity as a cost as a cost even that is unpredictable in some case like can be the fees that you attach to a bitcoin transaction or an ethereum transactions you all know about that so uh, some Correct. technology are, are more mature of course uh, that's the first the first element. Uh, use case start to become much more clear now. Uh, the ecosystem is also quite clear. So the incentives opportunity uh, that I discussed before for the different parties going from the identity issuer uh, or credential issuer uh, to the verifier start to become much more clear. And there is at the same time uh, different standardization activity that are happening that after the initial idea so initially the idea of decentralized identity was mainly driven by the fact that let's give identity to who doesn't have an identity uh, mm -hmm. there is no other way there is no government there so perhaps uh, we have to find a different way so but now there is also the, the idea that decentralized identity can also be a bit more efficient than other identities because we are not replicating information all over the place just for the sake of creating me my registration to one uh, domain uh, to one service then to another service and so on and so forth so there is the understanding mm -hmm. also that this reduce security risk uh, privacy risk so there are start to merge uh, this probably gdpr if you're doing the, the right way also help with that respect to start to 
think to new model to manage identity instead of always collecting data and information. There is the principle of data minimization. So you can easily minimize data if you uh, let somebody else create an identity and you leverage this identity. Uh, yeah, there are many other things coming together now. There is also European Commission start to look into that. Uh, they start to explore how they can and what will be the feature of a digital wallet that every European citizen should have uh, by 2022. And in parallel mm -hmm. to this, they're reforming also their uh, initial network for managing identity and service at the European level, which is called ADAS network. It's moving from a centralized system where identity information are collected by member state and shared across member state. Now, mm -hmm. uh, to a decentralized network where information about identity might be collected by one member state, this is the state where I live, but then can be mm -hmm. verified by another just with an infrastructure is provided by distributed ledger decentralized identity. So there is there is the uh, convergence of many different trends that goes from technology, availability, uh, business understanding, and push from uh, government uh, to explore decentralized identity uh, just now and uh, make it big in the next few years. Amazing stuff, Michele. One thing's for sure is that is that we can all look forward to a very optimistic future of decentralized identity moving forward. Um, finally, uh, I'm curious to know, what is the area of innovation that Michele Nati is, is spending most of his time on at the moment? Huh. Yeah, I would say that at the moment, uh, uh, I, I should be the telecommunication industry, and I'm doing that. Uh, but there are many few other projects I'm involved. But all of them have this trend of uh, try to see the impact of uh, decentralized identity uh, and what decentralized identity can do from, from a person down to an organization, down to a device that an organization uh, uh, own and manage. So this is the, the where the, 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 let's say the innovation also that close a bit of uh, the circle uh, that I have in my, <laughs> uh, in my, in my, in my uh, professional life, which uh, maybe won't close, but it will open another one. But I start mm -hmm. from uh, uh, IoT when basically uh, it was on three when IoT was called wireless sensor network. So you can connect a device to the internet. You have to connect to other device in a mesh network and then finally to the internet. So and at uh, the very early stage of my uh, career, I was focusing mainly on uh, uh, make this device collect data, sensing the environment, and then reach a destination point where this information can be analyzed. Then I focus on analyzing this information and try to extract knowledge. And then I start to see that this information has some kind of personal data most of the time that need to be protected and secure. And then I start to move and look into uh, distributed ledger as a way to protect that. So, and to give people control on their data. So I, I was part of the My Data movement from the very early uh, 2015. And now the best expression of uh, personal data and control of data is control of my identity. It's control mm -hmm. of uh, identity, creating my identity, creating credential and use them and use for my device, use for the services. And that's why I'm trying to now see where I can make most of the impact by combining the trend of decentralized identity, uh, technology that is very suitable for this like IOTA, and the other skills that I have matured over uh, over the years of collaborating and working on innovation proje projects, uh, mainly public funded uh, through the European Commission, but also in this new domain that I'm taking uh, care of, that is the telco industry inside the TM Forum Innovation Activities.
Amazing stuff, Michele. This show is called Frontier Talk for a reason. And that's because we have frontiers like you, explorers like you on this podcast. Um, okay. Right. So it's, it's, it's now time for my favorite part of the show. And that's called the Frontier Fire Round, where I put my guests on the spot <laughs> um, with a series of rapid fire questions. So, Michele, are you ready? Yeah, let's try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. Describe yourself in three words. Uh, well, stubborn. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, innovative and uh, let's say uh, I'm a runner. <laughs> I don't know if it's three words, okay. so it's a bit more. But yeah, that's that's one of the things that I would like to always uh, mention because when I start to run, I didn't run before. I think mm-hmm. that everything is possible. It's suffering, but in the end, it will be possible. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need to be stubborn to like develop habits. So being exactly. a runner, you really need to be stubborn to do that. Yeah, it requires exactly. a lot of initiative. Um, what's your mantra in life, Michele? Uh, I'm not sure if it's a mantra, but I, I, I repeat myself that it can always get better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that, that I like to be, I try to be positive. Somebody will say that can always get uh, worse, but I would say that can always get better. So absolutely, and, uh, yeah, I try to convince myself and work toward that. So yeah, beautiful words there. Um, what's a book you'd recommend to our audience? I would say because we talk about uh, blockchain a lot, NFTs, and uh, I would say these days I'm reading Crypto Wars, uh, which mm-hmm. is uh, a book from uh, a, an English author, Erica Samford, which is actually running a very interesting uh, uh, meetup also here in London. And it's uh, going through the different uh, opportunity that you have with the cryptocurrency, real opportunity, but also the real threat, especially for okay. those that see an easy way to make money and everything turns into scam. And uh, it lists all the different uh, scams that happen uh, in the crypto world. It's something that uh, uh, it's easy to read and everybody actually that is it's fascinated by this, by this world should read to understand not only what is everything shiny, shiny and uh, the ability to probably it happened in the past as well to make money quite quickly, but also what are, what are the risks behind that. So, because right. I, I keep saying that it's good, but you need to understand the technology. You need to understand what you are buying or try to buy or what you are trying to make money out of it. So uh, you need to always to be careful. It's a, it's a very interesting technology, this is the legend and blockchain, but has been used also sometimes in the in the wrong way and people should be aware. Right. Um, speaking about London, um, formerly of the EU, um, you know, the EU has not been software centric traditionally. So can it be a hotspot for decentralized identity? Uh, definitely this, and definitely they are there, uh, as I mentioned before, they, they start to understand uh, the value and they start to working to- toward that. So there are different initiatives now uh, uh, to try to establish this requirement for digital wallet to also understand what kind of infrastructure uh, a government can offer. So we talk about the centralized identity before and the role of the ledgers, uh, but there are many ledgers out there. There are one standard decentralized identity, few standards for decentralized identity for W3C, for instance, the World uh, Wide Web Consortium. Uh, but there are different platforms, different technologies, and every time you need a, a ledger underneath to do that. So, and there is the risk also of uh, uh, fragmenting this, and there is a risk of uh, not having interoperability and so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. and European Commission is also investing in what is a uh, pan-European. 
blockchain or visible ledger infrastructure is called the EBSI, uh, European Blockchain Service Infrastructure. So the European mm-hmm. Commission is really, uh, and EU is really investing in uh, new technology, new emerging technology, and on top of that, uh, in the uh, self-sovereign identity and the possibility to build that. So I would say that, uh, yeah, for what I know, uh, in this case, yes, not being uh, software-centric, we are not the Silicon Valley, uh, but we are, somehow we have at least a government, European government, that is looking in a unified way and try to establish some innovation in this space and can really bring uh, bring some novelty and put the Euro European uh, Europe ahead of many other countries in this domain. Brilliant. That's great news for anyone looking to build such solutions moving forward. Um, name a person who inspires you and why. I would say that uh, it's not in the technology domain, not in my domain, but it's uh, okay. My other uh, passion, let's say, my personal passion, not my my, my professional one, it's uh, uh, Eliud Kipjogi, which is a marathoner. So probably everybody heard about him. He managed to run a sub two-hour marathon in Vienna uh, last year. Uh, And he's a very simple athlete uh, that lives in Kenya, uh, not uh, living a shiny life uh, in front of the camera, uh, but he mm-hmm. gets things done and uh, he believes in what he does and uh, uh, he believes that uh, no, there is no, no limit <laughs> if you really are uh, uh, pursuing your, your goal and especially what I learn and what every about running is all about is consistency. And that's the ma- mm-hmm. most important things. If you want to achieve, no matter the, the target, no matter the goal, what is important is to be consistent in what you're doing and uh, uh, repeat yourself and try to uh, work toward the goal rather than expect that the goal comes to you. So, and that's a clear example of what, uh, yeah, uh, inspires me. And uh, yeah, you can transfer this into many other domain, but it starts from a domain that's not technology. Yeah, brilliant. That answer really ties down well with your your previous um, answer about uh, you know always staying positive when the chips are down uh, yeah. and just staying consistent and staying true to what you do. Uh, um, and finally, what's your advice to anyone listening to this podcast? <laughs> that's uh that's a very uh well i don't know uh, <laughs> uh, uh we talk about blockchain we talk about this bit of ledger uh i would say that uh yeah be careful of uh uh yeah your your, your information online so we talk about identity and decentralized identity so i think the way the life uh, and the information that we got we give out uh, uh, online so it's very important so we need to be careful now we protect them and especially we will be able to protect it uh, even more if you use the centralized identity. So I, I, I invite everybody to explore uh, what the centralized identity is, even offline, uh, outside of this uh, podcast, because the, the most important things now it's uh, uh, educate people. And we saw mm-hmm. that people now already struggle uh, with uh, managing a green pass. <laughs> and green pass Absolutely. can also be done as a decentralized identity and credentials. So uh, we start to get into that. We start to become more digital. We start to understand more the value of information about me and how to manage to give access. So, but there is a lot of uh, education behind that and data literacy and uh, yeah, technology uh, yeah, uh, understanding. So uh, there is also a way for non-technical people to help uh, in translating this uh, this uh, uh, this this innovation into something that everybody can understand and my advice is also yeah uh, we need to look to decentralized identity in a more 
let's say, interdisciplinary way uh, for all the aspects. We talk about technology, we talk about, uh, go, uh, sorry, technology, we talk about business model, but also how the technology user experience, all these aspects need to be explored. And I will be happy to explore with, uh, with the interest uh, uh, listener of, uh, of this podcast. Brilliant, Michele. As you know, this podcast was created um, as an attempt to evangelize the technology um, as far as we can. And uh, to anyone you know, looking to evangelize this technology in, in whatever domain that you are in, you know, just use the attributes that Michele just mentioned, which is to stay consistent, positive, and collaborative, and things will fall into place eventually. Michele, thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, and I hope to see a lot more of your work come to fruition in the coming months and years ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure was mine. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Michele Nati. Michele will be speaking at the European Identity and Cloud Conference, EIC, so go out and get your tickets as soon as possible. You can find the link to the tickets in the description box below. I hope you enjoyed this conversation that dabbled around philosophy, e-commerce, decentralized identity, and telco. Um, if you think this is worth a listen, please share this with, with your network and, and yeah, hit that like button. And also, yes, I'm curious to learn about your thoughts and your feedback is vital to all of us. So please drop in your comments in the comment section below. Until next time, this is me, Raj Hekde, hoping to see you all again on this incredible journey to redefine the I in identity. Stay safe.